The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, sometimes it feels as if you can go from happy to sad, content to pissed off, nervous to relaxed in the space of like five minutes if your blood sugars are up and down, up and down. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. And we are back for another episode of the Insulone Podcast with your host, myself, Owen Costello. I'm delighted you're here joining us today, and I appreciate you tuning in from wherever you are in the world. And no matter where you are, I hope you're ready for a very informative and insightful episode about a topic that I feel can sometimes easily go unnoticed when it comes to diabetes management, diabetic mood swings. Graham, I know we've spoken about it a good amount of times to each other over the years, and you've probably felt the wrath of my uh, diabetic mood swings back in the day in Canada when we were living together. Uh, I wouldn't say mood swings, (laughs) just general craziness, maybe. What's that supposed to mean? Uh, I don't know. That's number 33, craziness due to diabetes. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into it, how are you? How are things? You uh, were off getting the flu vaccine this morning. Yeah, I got that this morning. How was that? Do you feel sick after it? I've never actually got a flu vaccine. I'm diabetic. I always feel sick. True. But no, I feel, no, fine. Sure. As the pharmacist said herself in there, she was like, oh, you're type 1 diabetic. And I go, I am indeed. <clears throat> There's the I voice break. A good start. <laughs> I am indeed. She goes, Asher, you're you're well used to needles. Then this will be no trouble to you. So it's fine. So you don't mind in me- the shoulder. You don't mind needles at all, then? Not at all. So if you're taking blood and ev- like if you're getting pri- if- have you ever got the injections for if you're going to like I don't know if you've been to Asia and stuff like that. We have to get no. They're like the hepatitis C and are they big injections? Yeah, they're sore. Big and what was what was the, the rabies is the source of them all because if you go to all these monkey islands and stuff like that they're all oh, you got to protect yeah. yourself if all you the monkeys are jumping on you you got them didn't you I got all them when I was in Thailand the year after we were in Canada so was that twenty thirteen or fourteen 
Oh yeah, twenty fourteen. That would and uh, yeah, I didn't because I had to then because I went to Malaysia this time last year and I had to go to the medical tropical bureau in town to check had my will my injections back then last until until now because I really didn't want to have to mm. get them again. Do you have a fear of needles? I don't have a fear of needles. I'm actually pretty good when I'm taking blood because I always used to have to get blood taken once a month when I was on like this acne tablets before, but mm. these ones were so sore. I remember there. Like, and you know when your arm is just pulsing all day. <laughs> it's just yeah. throbbing for the, for the rest of the day. But let's get on to this week's. Hold on. Hold on a second. We need to talk about you for a minute. Oh, no. No, this isn't my, my, right. oh, no. my podcast. Just hold on a second. <laughs> all right. So this week was the Irish Radio Awards, obviously in Ireland. And Graham has the best breakfast show in Ireland. And he was nominated for six awards and won three. So, round of applause thank for you, you, Graham. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. How does it, it feel feels, being the king of Irish radio? It feels good. It feels good. It's, uh, it was nice to win. And I did it with Nathan as well. And you were on our podcast before. Actually, the podcast that you were on before, my other podcast, was one of the six that didn't win. So, that was a big disappointment of the night. But I suppose we can't really... Can't really be upset winning three out of the six that we were nominated. So what did you win? So we won Radio Moment of the Year for getting Matt Damon on the show. So if you would have seen Matt mm. Damon when he did an interview in Ireland, that was with us. News Story of the Year was also Matt Damon. And then we won Music Special of the Year when we wrote a Rugby World Cup song with the band, Dublin band Stolen City for the Irish rugby team in last year's Rugby World Cup. About this time last year as well. So... They were the three we won. We actually came silver in the breakfast show category and we won that last Did year. Did you? Yeah, so we didn't. Uh, have, we actually dropped a place in that. So I can't take the credit of being you the best are a disgrace. breakfast show in the country anymore. We're only the second best, unfortunately. But less about me, more about the topic of this week's episode. And it is diabetic mood swings. Oh, what are diabetic mood swings? So I suppose, <laughs> like most things in life, when you live with diabetes, there's additional stress or a different type of stress or something else that's more complicated or another thing to deal with. So, Graham, you know yourself, you you don't have diabetes. You obviously get mood swings like everybody else on the planet. It's a normal everyday occurrence to an extent. But, but with for diabetics, obviously, there's kind of an added layer of complications. So, I split them. I like to split them into two different types of mood swings. So, one diabetic mood swing can be directly as a result of the physical, I suppose, the physical reaction in your body. So, if you are high, you are going to feel a certain way. If you're low, you're going to feel another way. Now, this can depend on person to person, but more often than not, you're going to have a certain feeling when your blood sugar is high and you're going to have a certain feeling when your blood sugar is low. Now, on the other side of that, you can also experience mood swings as a result of certain readings that you have. So it's not that it's the physical aspect that's kind of playing its part in your mood, but it's your emotional response to seeing your blood sugars high, seeing your blood sugars low, and just the overall added stress of trying to live with diabetes. Okay, but why do you get mood swings with diabetes? Everything in your body is is connected, all right? So fluctuations in blood glucose can or blood sugar can result in rapid mood changes, including 
low mood, irritability, frustration, and so on. All those fun emotions. So changes in your blood sugar can affect your mood and your emotional feelings or thoughts. So again, it's that physical aspect of the highs or the lows, and then also your response to them. Okay. So when you're high, like I said, you'll feel a certain way. And when you're low, you'll feel another way. And I often feel being high or low can kind of act as a trigger that gets pulled. Mm. And once that triggers pulled, that can lead to that sort of emotional response. When you see those numbers, you know, you might be pissed off from seeing your blood sugar high. You might be annoyed at seeing your blood sugar low. And then that again, like we were talking about last week or the week before, it's that kind of ripple effect of these blood sugars that just add up and add up and add. It's kind of like a snowball effect of just being pissed off, basically. <laughs> so yeah, it's, and I suppose when your blood sugar returns to a normal range, the physical feelings can often be resolved. But then, like I just stated, that can result in that ripple effect with your emotional reaction or overall headspace kind of being altered from it. Mm. And it's funny, even just talking about it now, diabetes is so much, as we all know, diabetes is so much more complicated than just monitoring your blood sugar. You know, it's it's always those individual factors, the, the 42 factors yeah. that we've been speaking about that add together, multiply, subtract. And it's just that constant accumulation of your day-to-day activity that will result in your blood sugar. And then your blood sugars are going to result in to an extent, what goes on in your head too. And I made a, I think it was a post on Instagram a few weeks ago, doing my best to highlight the effects of mood swings as a result of fluctuating blood sugars. And the amount of people that commented and messaged me from it being like, I never knew that even existed. I never knew that was a thing. And then the other side of it was like, (laughs) I always wondered People would say, I always wondered why I was so pissed off when I had high blood sugars, or I always wonder why, you know, my mood would drop if my blood sugar was low. And it's like, it all makes sense now. It all, it all makes so it's sense. not a thing that's widely spoken about. It's well, how did you learn about it? Not, not from my experience, to be honest. I suppose I kind of realized it myself. And then once it kind of clicked with me, I was like, wait, my blood sugar is high and I'm feeling like this. And then my blood sugar is low and I feel like this. What is mm. that? What is that? And then this will kind of happen. And I always talk of trial and error with diabetes, kind of always being aware of what's going on so you can understand what's happening. Like when you understand what's happening, then you can look for solutions to help keep things steady in the past. But some, <laughs> I suppose something that, something that always stands out to me in relation to the time I kind of realized that diabetic mood swings existed was when I was first diagnosed. So when I was first diagnosed, I was 19. I was just going into, I think I was just going into my second year of college. Anyway, so obviously massively overwhelmed. You don't really know what's going on. And countless times I would come home from college. I would eat my dinner. I would go in to watch TV I would fall asleep. My blood sugar would skyrocket because I didn't yet know the exact amount of insulin to take, like how to carb count accurately. So say I say I calculated the insulin wrong, my blood sugar would skyrocket. I'd fall asleep and then I'd wake up. And because my blood sugar was high, I was really irritable. And you're, you're, you're always kind of like pissed off when your blood sugar is high. Like 
I hate when people try and talk to me or try and ask me. You're just you're on a different planet nearly, and you you feel as if your your brain just isn't working properly. But I remember I used to wake up from these high blood sugar naps, and I would just be so pissed off. And I'd be like, I wouldn't want to talk to any of my family or anything. And I was like, why am I consistently pissed off and annoyed when my blood sugar is high? That has to mean yeah. something. So then looked into it more, and then obviously. One of the main signs or symptoms of high blood sugar is irritability. So then when you started to realize that that was the reason, did it reduce the mood swings? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, like I said, when you realize why something's happening, you can take action to prevent that yeah. from happening. So if I knew, because I knew my blood sugars would be high, well, because I knew I'd be pissed off if my blood sugar was high, I put more effort into ensuring that my blood sugar wouldn't be high. So you said when you were in your first year being diagnosed, you'd come home from college, you'd fall asleep, you'd get a high blood sugar, wake up really pissed off. What about low blood sugar? Would it be the same? It wouldn't be really a mood swing with that same sort of kind of irritable, like annoyed, frustrated sort of feeling. But when my blood sugar goes low, for me personally, more so I would be annoyed or frustrated as a result of going low. So when I go low, I've said it a hundred times on here before, but it's like I unlock another part of my brain and it's like there's a different own in the room. So when my, when my blood sugar drops, obviously your whole body and your brain is in like survival mode and all it's worrying about is just getting glucose, getting glucose, bringing that back up. And a lot of people would would describe it as nearly feeling as if you're kind of tipsy. It's this weird sort of full body sensation. Really, really hard to describe. But anyway, I wouldn't get that sort of irritable feeling that I would with high blood sugar. But when I come back up from a low blood sugar, that's when I'm kind of like pissed off, I'm drowsy, probably moody. And you almost get this sort of like uneasy, anxious feeling as well because you're so close to potentially being in a very, very dangerous situation with a low blood sugar. And you've only a very, very short space of time to treat that. And that sort of emotional response to it and realizing like, holy shit, that was a close call. And that sort of anxious feeling afterwards can can make you feel quite uneasy. But I know we're only, we're only going to be talking about it for 20, 30 minutes on here, but once you kind of understand the importance of keeping your blood sugar steady, and I'm sure if people have been listening to these episodes, they obviously realize the severity of diabetes and understand that it is vitally important to keep your blood sugar steady. It's not just that number on the screen. You know, that number signifies how you're going to feel physically and emotionally. Sometimes it feels as if you can go from happy to sad, content to pissed off, nervous to relaxed in the space of like five minutes if your blood sugars are up and down, up and down. So just kind of getting my head around this, the mood swing will come. Is it because one, you're pissed off with yourself that you allowed yourself to go low and two, then your body's response to it would lead to these is irritable feeling and then that would lead you to the mood swing as well. So it's two different things combining together to then result in the mood swing. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And I think so much of it is... Like when we say it's that emotional response to blood sugar readings, 
you're always going to react to, you know, when you check your CGM or you, you prick your finger and check your blood sugar, you're always going to have some sort of reaction to the number that you see. That can be a negative one or a positive one, depending on the reading that you have. And sometimes you can work so, so, so hard every day to keep your blood sugar steady and people will still see the number all over the place. And I think that part of it can sometimes take its toll on people because the stress of actually living with diabetes is a lot to handle sometimes. If you don't keep things in check, it'll affect every aspect of your day. And doctors have a technical term. Well, it doesn't sound very technical, but diabetes distress is actually a term that people use. And that basically refers to an emotional state where people experience feelings like stress, guilt, or even denial. And they can obviously come as a result of that overwhelming burden of living with diabetes. Where would the guilt come from? Maybe people feel guilty for being sometimes an added burden on parents or brothers or sisters or boyfriends and girlfriends or or even children because it is that 24 hour seven days a week if your numbers aren't in range as much as you'd like them to you might be experiencing these sort of mood swings and that then can have a toll or or have an impact on relationships or friendships or because it will always impact every aspect of of your life that can kind of like flood over or trickle into different areas too you know you've touched on briefly throughout this episode on different ways to avoid the mood swings and the overwhelming feelings including just being on top of your management but there are are there any other um, little techniques that you implement into your daily life to try and avoid getting these mood swings yeah of course there's always there's always steps you can take and i think one of the big ones is to fully understand and realize that you are always in control of your blood sugar whether you like to hear it or not you are always responsible of the blood sugar readings that you see you know you're the one that exercises or doesn't exercise you're the one who eats certain types of food or doesn't eat other types of food you're the one who doesn't sleep as much as you should doesn't try to manage stress as much as you should we're always in control and going back to last week about talking about the certain decisions that you can make every day. I suppose a big one is just understanding that you are always in control. And when you understand that, then it's easier for you to, to attempt to try and take back that control. Does that make yeah, sense? Definitely. Another one would be work on trying to build a sense of routine in your day. I know some people are going to be more disciplined than others. Some people might have more structured days and it's almost as if their diabetes management can kind of fit in well to that sort of routine and schedule. But just do your best to try and consistently stick to a certain routine. Take your medication or in and around the same times a day. Try to eat generally the same types of food. You don't have to be eating different stuff every single day. If you're consistent with your nutrition and your training, that's going to play a big part. That obviously leads into get in the habit of exercising each day, no matter what it is. You don't have to be going to the gym, pumping weights six days a week. It can be going out for, you know, a 15, 20 minute walk, just something to keep you moving. That's always going to have a beneficial impact on your blood sugar. What else? Educate yourself. Cannot emphasize that enough. 
educate yourself about diabetes. The fact that you're listening to this podcast right now proves that you care about your diabetes management, that you care and want to make it better. The more you know with diabetes, the easier it's going to be. If you're going into this thing every day, clueless on why am I taking this this much insulin? Why am I eating this type of food? Why are my blood sugars spiking with this type of food? Understanding that temperature, weather can affect it, stress can affect it. These are all things you need to know. Like everything else in your life, the more you know about something, the easier it's going to be. And another big one that I'll finish with is if you're feeling overwhelmed at times, as I know a lot of people do, and you feel as if you're kind of getting burnt out by the whole thing and just managing your blood sugars day to day, don't hesitate to kind of reach out to somebody. You know, a, a support network is always going to be a positive for your uh, your diabetes management. And even if that support network doesn't include anybody that has diabetes, they can still reassure you that, look, I know it's difficult living with diabetes. I don't fully understand it, but need to talk. You need to clear anything on your mind. Let me know. Well, here's a question. And I know there are people who listen to this podcast who aren't diabetics and they just have diabetics in their life, akin to me with you. Uh, there'll be people who have diabetic children who are in a relationship with someone who's diabetes. How can they help someone they live with or they know that has diabetes? How can they be of an assistance to them to try and help them with their mood swings, try and help them avoid the mood swings? Do you have any advice for that? That is a great question, Graham. And yeah, I know there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast who aren't diabetic themselves, but they have diabetic kids or brothers or sisters or cousins and even parents. I suppose the number one thing would be to ask them about diabetes. Ask them about their condition. If you show interest, that can help reduce their feelings of isolation or that sense of burden that sometimes comes with it. So if you show interest, it shows that you care, shows that you are aware of the fact that they're living with this thing 24 hours a day. And then you never know, they might kind of open up about the whole thing. You could ask to be more involved or offer to do activities that may benefit their health or blood sugar. You know, you could offer to go out for a walk. You could offer to go play football or tennis or just do something that will kind of clear their head, benefit the blood sugars. And then that's another good opportunity for you to to talk to them about it too. As I said, again, make it known that you're aware of how difficult it can be for somebody living with diabetes. And that's the big one because diabetics that I talk to, like I'm talking to diabetics every day of the week and I will often hear, and it's, I feel it's a feeling that's kind of frequently echoed throughout the diabetic community that friends and family never really fully understand the extent and detail of actually living with diabetes. And I, I know both my both my parents listen to this podcast, so I don't want them listening to this and be like, oh, Jesus, should we should we be asking Owen more about diabetes? I'm fine. You don't, you don't need to worry. I'm grand. But no, a lot of people don't deal with it as well. So that's a big one. Just kind of understanding how difficult it can be, you know? I think even just my relationship with you has changed over the last year, well, nine months since we started doing this podcast, where I actually didn't have a notion what diabetes was to be honest and I would have been a lot more flippant with my time especially I think I talked about this on when you were on our podcast how 
if I said I was meeting you for the gym, I wouldn't really have an exact time. I'd be like, oh, when I've finished work and stuff like that. But I knew after learning about diabetes that actually having a strict time management is very important to a diabetic in terms of when they eat, when they take their insulin um, and how they plan their day. So even me just learning about that has made hopefully your life that little bit easier in terms of when we do well. We're not gymming anymore because we can't bloody gym anymore together because of bloody COVID. <laughs> yeah. But when we do go back, hopefully that makes your life easier. And I suppose if anyone is listening who has someone diabetic in their life, just try and learn little bits and how to make the diabetic in their life their life that little bit easier. Um, when, mm. And hopefully, because you did say at the beginning of this podcast that you were blissfully unaware that your mood swings were caused by diabetes. Hopefully we've got someone who has been getting mood swings, had no idea why, and now has learned why. And then going forward, they can learn more about the condition and fingers crossed will reduce the amount of mood swings they get in a day. Absolutely. There'll be a lot less uh, frustrated, angry children walking around the houses around the world. <laughs> How is the Fisher Healthier, Happier project going? Very good. We launched yesterday. So everybody set up in the Facebook group. Everybody has their meal plans, their workout plans. And yeah, loving it so far. I've already got... A few messages from people saying, whoa, just one day of following this plan and doing this exercise, I'm seeing big changes in my blood sugar. So really looking forward to the next eight weeks. And it's it's something as simple as that. It's just being aware of the foods that are going to impact your blood sugar, being aware of the exercise that's going to play a positive part. And uh, yeah, it's always massively rewarding for me working with people like that. So looking forward to the next eight weeks, Graham. I suppose, like we were talking about last week, David Goggins, is got, I'm going to start implementing 100-mile runs <laughs> after next week. Have fun <laughs> if you're involved in Owens Fisher, healthier, happier. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to contact the podcast, you can get us on theinsalonepodcast at gmail.com. Ask us anything if you want to comment on anything that we've talked about or if you would like us to talk about a subject that maybe you think we haven't covered. We are open to absolutely everything. And of course, share it on your socials. Tag Owen. He's at Insalone on Instagram. Uh, let us know that you're enjoying the podcast and liking it. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Graham O'Toole. Thank you. Chat to you soon, all right? Peace.